You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Well, hey, Resonate. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be with you this Sunday. Uh, We're in the third week of a series we're calling Hindsight 2020, where looking back is helping us look forward. Uh, In the first week of the series, we tackled the story of Gideon, and we learned that looking back, uh, Gideon's problem is he forgot who God was, and that was crippling his ability to go forward. And so we came out with this principle uh, from that story that, that says, nothing will blind your vision of the future more than forgetting who God is and what he's capable of. And so that's where we started uh, in the first week. And then last week, uh, our lead pastor, Keith, took on the role of the prophet. And he said, 2020 has done nothing except simply reveal what was already going on in our hearts, that this season of uh, freedom from busyness and distraction uh, has shown us that for many places we were managing sin instead of killing our sin. And Keith asked the question, uh, do, you have, uh, do you need to repel off the roof of your house uh, to kill the tiger living in your New York City apartment? So that, that's where we learned uh, we have deadly animals in our living room. I don't think you recognize that the Bible teaches that, uh, but it does. So if you missed last week, you missed a fun one. Uh, but this week, I want to take a more confessional approach uh, to this sermon. And, and I want to talk a little bit about what this year has been like for me looking back. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, would you grab it and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4? Um, we'll be there in just a minute. Uh, on Monday of this week, Amy and I took our daughter, Lucy, to a doctor's appointment at Seattle Children's Hospital uh, in Seattle. And due to COVID restrictions, they would only let one of us go in the hospital. So Amy is the obvious candidate to handle medical details and care for our daughter. So she goes into the hospital and I am sent away to spend three hours uh, in Seattle by myself. So I get on my phone, I start looking around on what I can do. And there's this little beachfront right by Seattle Children's Hospital. Uh, So I go there and nobody's there. No one's in the parking lot. I park. It's very cold. It's very windy. It's very overcast. But we got some water. We got some sand. And we got the mountains. And so I just go and I try to pray. I try to talk to God and just pour out my heart to Him. And frankly, that the last few months have been incredibly stressful. Uh, I can feel it in my body. So I walk around and I just start praying my anxieties. I start praying my fears. Uh, I start thinking about this year and just start getting sad. I felt like I was in high school all over again. Uh, all I needed was like some really emotional music to go with my, uh, with my music video because I'm just walking around like kicking the sand feeling like I'm in the book of Ecclesiastes, just going like meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Like, what's the point of this world? What's the point of this life? What are we here for? So I'm having one of those kinds of moments. Maybe you can picture that in your mind. Uh, And my mind ends up going to an interview that I saw earlier this year. Uh, I heard a pastor in London named Andrew Wilson. He was doing this interview and the interviewers asked him, they they said, Andrew, how are you and your people doing spiritually right now? And it's about six months into COVID at that point. And here's what Andrew Wilson said, and it it kind of stuck out to me as I'm on the beach in Seattle. Uh, Andrew said, if the Bible is true, and I believe that it is, then I would expect this season to have cost me spiritually. Losing the corporate nature of our faith, the corporate gathering, corporate communion, corporate singing, uh, listening to the word being preached corporately, Uh, losing that should take a huge toll on our spiritual life. Uh, If you take the gathered church away, Andrew Wilson says, if you take it away for six months, then your faith should feel it. 
and society itself should feel it. So this season, he says, has cost us spiritually. And I, I totally agree. This season has cost me spiritually. It has cost you spiritually. And that is expected. I want to set you free right now. That's expected. If you've had a tough season, that is expected. Now, we have done our best to take church online and to invite you to engage personally and to do things virtually and to adjust and to pivot and to figure out how you can love Jesus under the circumstances. But let's still be honest. Andrew's right. This has been a hard season. This has likely not been your best spiritual eight months. And if someone were to come and say, man, this is the greatest time I've ever had with Jesus, I would be a little suspect of them based on the doctrine of the church and how this thing is supposed to work. So that is to be expected. But the question is, and this is what I want to try to walk through today. What does the Bible say about spiritual fatigue? What does the Bible say about spiritual dryness, about spiritual depression, about spiritual hardship? And how do we as the church frame the difficulty of 2020 and its hardships with the truth that we serve a God who can overcome all things and who is sovereign over all things? So what does the Bible have to say about that? I think 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is going to help us. Now we're going to start in verse 3. Uh, even the chapter title of, of this chapter is beautiful. It says, present weakness and resurrection life is the chapter title. So starting in verse 3, it says this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to display, uh, dis despair. Let me read that sentence again. We are pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And scroll down to verse 14. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Verse 16, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day after day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. That's a lot of verses. I would encourage you to go read the whole chapter. I pulled a few verses to try to get to you the spirit of what is being taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And here it is. It's what the title is called. Present weakness and resurrection life. Present weakness and resurrection life. Is that not a profound way to frame what 2020 has been for us as we look back? Present weakness and resurrection life. So this text is talking about the tension of having the power of the resurrection gifted, gifted to you by the Holy Spirit. That lives inside of you because of the power of the gospel. Yet in your body, this fragile jar of clay, you are not experiencing resurrection power to its fullness. 
You're actually experiencing spiritual hardship. You're being pressed on every side, perplexed, knocked down. And the scripture is saying, but that's okay. That's actually good because at least you're alive and you can feel all of that tension. You can, you can fight back in this spiritual space. So, so again, this is built into the gospel message. You have this tension that you used to have a veil over your heart. And that veil over your heart blinded you from the gospel. And that veil was over your heart by the power of the devil. Stay with me. The power of the devil put a veil over your heart. But the power of the Holy Spirit removed that veil. In other words, God did something you couldn't do. You can never remove the veil. God removed the veil. And he opened your sinful heart to the free gift of the gospel. And you've received it. But it doesn't say that everything's going fine just because that happened. So here's the truth that this, this chapter is teaching us. The presence of resurrection power doesn't mean the absence of spiritual hardship. Just because we have the power of the gospel doesn't mean we are free from all spiritual hardships. We're still operating in weakness, though we have strength. This is incredibly comforting to us. This makes our life with Jesus full of hope, no matter the circumstance. And the gospel message, even in its messaging, is built with tension. So in one part, God has removed the veil. Jesus overpowered Satan and won your heart. That's great news. And that's true. Right now, that's true for you. I don't know, uh, I don't know if you ever wonder, like, does God love me? Well, the scripture just said there was a fight going on for your heart. And Jesus won that fight. And he removed the veil and he has gifted you eternal life. And that is great news. But the not so great news is also in this text. The resurrection is available to us. It's coming for us, but we are not there yet. And Satan does not like that he's lost the fight. So he is fighting right now to continue to blind you from the truth. And sin has broken everything in the world. Your flesh wants to rebel against God. Satan is ruining everything in the world. And yet in all of it, God is reigning supreme. So here are the two truths. And you can say this with full confidence based on this text. I am weak, yet I am strong. I have spiritual hardship. I have resurrection power. Those are both true in the scriptures. And those have both been true in 2020. So let's frame out the truth of this passage and then talk about what it means for us. So one more time, by, by way of reiteration, spiritual hardship and resurrection power, as taught in this text, means these things. Number one, Satan has jurisdiction to tempt us and blind us. That's what's happening in the text. Number two, sin reigns in this world, breaking everything we see. Also true. Number three, Resurrection power is our hope in the face of spiritual hardship. Satan has jurisdiction, sin is reigning, but resurrection power is available and it's our hope in the face of all of these hardships. So the scripture is saying our problems don't just go away when the veil is removed. No, it's, it's not true at all. If you, I was reminded of this song. If you have any background uh, in church, there was a song you would sing in youth group called Trading My Sorrows. And the bridge of the song says, uh, I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I'm blessed beyond the curse because his promise will endure that his joy is going to be my strength. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. That is a very theologically correct song based on 1 Corinthians chapter 4. That all of those things are true. There's a tension built in the text. And so here's what we have to realize. That the Christian aim 
is not spiritual ease. It's not to be, it, it, in, instead it's to be resolved in the hope of the resurrection in the face of spiritual hardship. The Christian aim is not spiritual ease, it's instead to be resolved in the hope of the resurrection in the face of hardship. So, church, we are experiencing hardship. When we look back, hindsight 2020, there has been hardship. And, and I want to talk to you about the causes of that hardship and what we do. So Andrew Wilson was right. The corporate gathering has, has been a part of that hardship. But there's two more things that I think have, have created this hardship for us going forward. What are the things that are causing the hardship? Number one, we are environments. We are in environments where Satan can attack. This is what the scripture just said. Satan has jurisdiction to blind us and to tempt us. And we are environments in, right now. We are in environments where Satan can attack. And so uh, let's, let's be real for a second. Let's, let's be honest. Uh, why are you spiritually weak right now? Well, for some of us, this has been the most intense year in our entire life of Satan's attacks towards us. For some of us, we have never experienced more attacks of Satan than right now. How can I say that? I can say that because I know Satan loves getting people in isolation. Satan loves to whisper lies to people when they feel like their purpose has been taken away. The amount of transition our world has gone through has made many of us vulnerable to Satan's attacks. You and I are more vulnerable now uh, than maybe ever before because we have more time, more freedom, more uh, less accountability. A lot of the things that were helping us have been removed and our idols are being exposed and Satan is leveraging that for his own gain. Um, I'll just be honest with you, even in ministry, like I was used to a certain way of life and I loved the feeling and the adrenaline and the design of that way of life and I was doing that way of life for, for many years. I love the feeling of leading meetings with our team. I love going on campus and meeting new people. I love the adrenaline of preaching uh, live to people so that you guys could laugh at my hilarious jokes that I would tell. And it would just be so funny in the crowd because I just would make you laugh so often. I love that stuff. And I love that like once every three or four weeks, like a charismatic person would say amen during a sermon. Like that would be amazing for me. I loved all that stuff. And right now I'm preaching to a room with two people and three cameras. There are more cameras than people currently in this room. And that's the new design. That's where we are. And I would be lying to you if I didn't say that has affected me spiritually. Because I loved people's approval. I loved the way ministry was done a certain way. And over the last year, I've had to confess my sin to God. Saying, God, do I, do I really love you or do I just love the way I get to serve you? And I've had that exposure and Satan has lied to me and tempted me in that space. And that, that's just in ministry world. I, I know the same thing is true in other professions. School teachers are teaching online and it is rocking their world to have to teach students online. It is not what they signed up for. And that makes them vulnerable. If they're, if they're followers of Jesus, they are vulnerable to lies and to temptations. If you work in the medical profession, you may be overworked and just beat up and tired and you're watching people say lies about you and that makes you vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Small business owners are stressed out and that makes them vulnerable to attack. People in our church and in our lives are out of work and that has made them feel purposeless and vulnerable and Satan is taking these opportunities to attack them. 
And many people in the world are going to coping mechanisms to try to make themselves feel better. In the world at large right now, more alcohol is being consumed than years past. More pornography is being watched. More indulgencies are being engaged in because a lot of people are in their house alone, isolated, and they don't have purpose. And Satan is attacking us. This environment is the devil's playground. And he has jurisdiction to tempt us and to try to blind us and to try to lead us away from the glorious gospel that God's given to us in Christ. So this this should do something to us. The reality of Satan's attacks should make us desperate for resurrection power. We as the people of God should cling to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and say, I want to know where that power is. I want to feel what's available. If you say it's true, I want to experience it to be true because what's true right now is that I'm being attacked like never before. And I want to feel the power that's available to me and the fact that the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead. I want to feel that right now. And listen, if you ever want to feel the power of God and the power of the devil, then fight back against sin. Try to hold your tongue next time you want to gossip. Try to be ridiculously generous when you really want to be greedy and hang on to your stuff. Try to speak words of life instead of speaking words of death. Fast from eating food for a day just to put yourself in a place of wanting to feel the power of God while the enemy is trying to tempt you to do other things. Commit with your eyes never to look lustfully upon someone of the opposite sex and you will feel the power of God and you will feel the power of the devil and that will show you that when these attacks come, there is power available to you. When you are weak, you are strong. Though you are in spiritual hardship, you have resurrection power. That is a truth of God. That is a promise of the scripture. And we need to cling to that and become desperate for it in our lives. So environment number one is Satan is attacking us. Environment number two, and this is a little bit more meta, but stay with me, uh, is humanity on a global scale, is experiencing the crushing weight of sin. Everybody, it feels like the whole world is in this thing together. We're experiencing the crushing weight of sin. We are having a collective moment as human beings. And the effect of sin is coloring this moment in, in ways that we have not seen before. And it's not that this didn't happen in the past. It's just we're all in this thing together. And sin is at the epicenter. The coronavirus is in the world because of sin. Racism is in the world because of sin. The abuse of power is in the world because of sin. Death is in the world because of sin. We are experiencing a global pandemic, a divided world with tribalism and hate, all because our first parents, Adam and Eve, ate from a tree they were told not to eat from, all because they rejected God's good design. Sin has fractured everything. And this leads to a deep spiritual sadness, a deep spiritual questioning in the world. Some people are coming to faith. Some people are walking away from faith because they believe it's too hard. Others are desperate for some kind of answer that that God is available to give. But we, we know that sin has wrecked the world. And we know this as a follower of Jesus. We know this on a personal level because many of us, sin has wrecked our lives. We've seen it. And we've given over to sin and we felt the shame of sin. We felt the power of sin. And it's been exhausting for us as followers of Jesus. If you're really trying to follow Jesus, you have felt the exhausting weight of sin in your life. You have. 
If you've really tried to live it, love Jesus, follow Jesus, become like Jesus, be led by the Spirit, walk in Christian community, read your Bible. If you've tried to do that, you have felt the exhausting weight of sin in your life. You have, if you're honest. What we are seeing in our world right now is that same thing on a global scale. 2020 should be the year that makes us hate sin. I'll never forget a sermon series we did a few years ago uh, where we were talking through, uh, I believe it was the book of Romans, and, and we used this incredible Hulk action figure to represent sin, and we called him Mr. Sin. And he lived in the Resonate office for many years. Mr. Sin would just show up in meetings all the time, and it kind of, kind of became this practical joke. Uh, but in the last sermon of that series, I remember Matthew Young was preaching uh, at the New Art in Moscow, and he took Mr. Sin in kind of this crescendo moment of the series, talking about heaven and what it's going to be like when Mr. Sin is gone. And, and Matthew, just picture Matthew taking Mr. Sin and with like tears in Matthew's eyes and hatred in his voice, he throws Mr. Sin across the stage at the New Art and yells, I hate you, Mr. Sin. You've broken everything. And, and the whole church was like, man, that was moving. Like we felt what he felt because sin has, in fact, broken everything. And we're feeling that on a global scale, maybe like never before. And this should move us. The reality of sin's reign should make us desperate for personal holiness. Should make us desperate to feel the power of the resurrection and to walk like Jesus. In the same way, when you see something unjust, it makes you long for justice. When you see a world filled with unrighteousness, it should make you long to be righteous. And that's what's happening in this environment. So the question is, what do we do about it? If that's true of the environment, Satan is attacking us. The weight of sin is crushing the world. What are we supposed to do as followers of Jesus? Well, I think the scripture can speak to that. So in verse 8, it says this. I want to read it to us again. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through sufferings, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that in the life of Jesus, there may also be seen in our bodies. And we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. So there's a couple things that we can do going forward in the tension of spiritual weakness and resurrection power. The environment's not helping us. The season is not really helping us. But what can we do going forward? Now that we've looked back, how do we go forward in this tension? Number one, we've got to be people that learn to wrestle with God so that you can learn to rest in God. Learn to wrestle with God so you can learn to rest in God. It is in wrestling with God that you find him trustworthy to be the one that you rest in. Now, you, you may say, how, how did we get that out of the scripture? Well, stay with me. Some of us don't believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10 could be true, that we would be pressed and perplexed and knocked down and beat up and all these things would be happening to us. We don't believe that could be true and that God could still be trustworthy. How can God be trustworthy if he's letting us get beat up and persecuted and knocked down and crushed and all these terrible things. Why is a trustworthy God allowing these things to happen to us? And many of us, they, we don't have that framework. So we read that and we go, that can't be true of a trustworthy God. And listen, I submit to you, there is a lot of 
pop culture Christian theology that has made us believe that God's whole relationship with us is supposed to be designed around victory. Like everything in our lives is for another victory, another battle we're going to win. Well, here's the deal. There is no doubt a great victory that has been won for you in the past on the cross, in the burial, in the resurrection of Jesus. Something was achieved for you and a victory was won. And there is no doubt that in the future, a victory is coming for you. When you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and you get to go into the presence of God forever, there is a victory in your past. There is a victory in your future. But that does not ensure that your life is going to be victory after victory after victory after victory until you get to the eternal victory. There is no promise of that in Scripture. Never is that promised. Why is that not promised? Because God knows that it is in the losses that we experience, that we learn to wrestle with God, that we learn to trust God, that we learn to lean into God, that this whole thing comes from a theory to be our reality. God knows it's in the darkness that we draw closest to Him. And He knows that if we never wrestle with Him, then we will never come to trust Him. The Apostle Paul trusted God, and he wrote 1 Corinthians 4 with that in mind. And in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, there's this great story about a man named Jacob who wrestles with God. And at the end of that wrestling, he has his name changed from Jacob to Israel. And Israel becomes the name of God's people. They are the Israelites. And that is birthed out of a wrestling with God. And in this story, they wrestle like all night long. The angel of God is allowed to wrestle with Jacob. And he, he lets Jacob wrestle him all night. And at the end of the wrestling match, God like touches Jacob's hip and breaks it or hurts it or something. And Jacob walks with a limp and becomes Israel. And it's this, it's this sweet picture that God's okay with our wrestling. He could have overpowered Jacob, but he's okay with our wrestling. And Jacob walks with a limp. And there's this subtle metaphor that some of the most godly, Christ-centered, deep, meaningful Christians you will ever meet are people that walk with limps. People that have been hurt by God, people that have been hurt by sin, people that have been hurt by struggle, but people that wrestle with God so that they can trust God. We see this in the life of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus wrestled and prayed and trusted God, and we, we got to get this. This is so key for us right now. That all of our wrestling with God in faith leads to peace. All of our wrestling with God. If we wrestle with God in faith, it will ultimately lead to our peace. If you want peace with God, then you wrestle with God. And so I want to say again, the Christian aim is not spiritual ease. The Christian aim is being resolved in the hope of the resurrection in the, in the face of spiritual hardship. So we got to learn to wrestle with God so that we can learn to rest in God. And in this year, there's been a lot to wrestle with. So we have to learn that. And then secondly, we need to learn the hope of living in light of eternity. Learn the hope of living in light of eternity. Verse 16 says so powerfully, This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our presence, troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory 
that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Forever. Spiritual hardship, resurrection power, we have to have the view of eternity if we're going to survive the spiritual hardships we get through. And the reality of dying bodies, the reality that our bodies are going to die should make us long for spiritual renewal. Now listen, I know most of you are young and you're not going to believe me when I tell you, but there is coming a day when your body's metabolism will not be like it used to be. Right now, I recognize you can eat three uh, meals a day of cereal and you will still feel fine and you will still look fine, but there is coming a day that it, you're not going to believe me, but you, you're, there's coming a day when you could get injured pouring yourself a bowl of cereal or you'll just wake up from sleep and get injured because you slept wrong. That day is coming for you. Our bodies are dying. They are fragile jars of clay. They are wasting away. So yes, we should steward our body. Yes, we should take care of them. But there's a picture here that something is happening physically with our bodies. They are decaying. That at the same time, something should be happening in our spirituality that is not decaying. That as our bodies go downhill, our spirits go uphill. As one body wastes away, our resurrected body, our spirit is renewed day by day. And, and Paul is trying to say some people find it depressing to think about death. But as you think about death, don't think about the end of your life. Think about the beginning of your life in the resurrected sense and find your hope in that. May that inspire you. Recognize our bodies are on earth for a short period of time. But simultaneously, our spirits will live with God forever. And so that should create in us a sense of urgency to spend our time wisely and a sense of hope recognizing that this is not the end of the story. A couple of years ago, Amy and I were in Austin, Texas for a family reunion. Uh, and we went to a church there with our family. And it was in the middle of the summer and they were preaching through 1 Corinthians. Uh, and at that point in the sermon series, they were on 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And 1 Corinthians 15 is a, is a chapter devoted completely to talk about the resurrection of Christ. And I remember thinking this was interesting because it's primarily something you hear about uh, at a certain time of the year. But here we were in the summer hearing about the resurrection. And the preacher told this story that I'll never forget. Uh, he was talking about being in high school uh, when his mom got cancer. And he remembers watching how his dad treated his mom while she was going through chemo. And the preacher said, this is the, this is the season when his faith became real to him. And Jesus got real to him because he got to watch how his mom suffered and how his dad loved her and how they both trusted God in the middle of, the, of it all. But the part that really stuck out to me in the sermon is the, the guy was explaining that there was one night he was, he, was, he was woken up in the middle of the night because he heard sounds coming from the bathroom. And it sounded like someone was throwing up. And so eventually he gets out of bed and he walks into the bathroom and he sees both of his parents sitting on the bathroom floor. And his mom had been throwing up and they had woken up and his dad was sitting there with her. But as he walked into the bathroom, kind of poked his head around the corner, he said that his dad had the Bible open. And in the middle of the night, on the bathroom floor, with mom throwing up due to chemo, his dad was in the bathroom reading 1 Corinthians 15 over his mom. That in the saddest moment imaginable, when mom is going through a disease that is caused by sin, that is breaking down her body, that is causing her to throw up and not be able to sleep well, 
the dad is sitting on the bathroom floor reading about the resurrection. And and the, the son said he was so moved by this because he couldn't imagine that in the hardest moment of sadness, that they were still able to find hope in the resurrection. And so I remember the preacher saying, he's saying, to this day, I will never forget the power of the resurrection when it was when it was smashed into the saddest moment of our lives. And he said, to this day, I still can't understand why so many Christians celebrate the resurrection only one day a year on Easter, when this is the daily hope offered to us in Christ. That the resurrection is what we can cling to in our darkest moments. And the resurrection is the assurance of an eternity that allows us to have perspective in this life. And that is what we so need going forward is an eternal perspective so that by God's grace, we can get a vision for a future. But it's not going to come by us just working our way up to feel better. We need something truthful. And this is what's so powerful that the resurrection is not just some theological fairy tale. No, it is a bedrock reality that can speak to us right now. And so, yes, looking back, our spiritual life has taken a hit in 2020. This year has cost us spiritually. But our current troubles are nothing in light of the hope that we have in the resurrection. The hope that says one day Satan's attacks will come to an end. One day the reign of sin will come to an end. Our wrestling with God one day will come to an end and we will see the beauty of what we hoped for. The resurrection of Christ is the bedrock truth that we need to cling to going forward. So listen, church, I I get that this time has been hard and and for me, I, I will never again for the rest of my life take for granted the gathered church the opportunities that we get to worship together, to take communion, to give, to hear the word preach, that is a treasure that we will have going forward. But as we go forward, may we be people who are comfortable wrestling with God, telling Him about our spiritual weakness, wrestling with God so that we can trust Him. And may we be people who have an eternal perspective so that the power of the resurrection can have an impact in our daily lives. May we be those kind of people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you you know what to tell us. You know what to speak to us when we need it the most. And God, right now we need a fresh view of the resurrection. We need a fresh picture of spiritual power. Because God, for many months, a lot of us have been operating in spiritual weakness, spiritual depression, spiritual hardship, spiritual fatigue. And so God, in this season of spiritual hardship, may we cling to the truth of the resurrection and receive the power that you have offered in Christ. God, help us to walk in that. God, revive us, renew us, God. Give us a fresh vision of the future. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.